Welcome everyone to the Baking with House of Bread. I am Sheila McCann and I am your host. So September marks the change of seasons with the days getting a little shorter, the leaves changing color, and also the return of pumpkin scents to the bakery. While I really, really don't like the shorter days of sunlight, I do love the fall seasonal breads. And today we're going to talk about pumpkin bread, which is our popular fall quick bread. And we actually carry it all the way through the holidays until January. And so there is no yeast in quick breads and thus no rising time, hence the name quick breads. And the quick breads vary from the yeasted versions, not only in rising time, but also with mixing techniques. In yeasted breads, you really have to knead extensively to get that gluten available in order to get a strong loaf of bread that's not going to crumble on you. You know, for quick breads, muffins, scones, cookies, cakes, etc., all your items basically that don't have yeast, you don't want to develop the gluten strands because it will toughen up the product. And what you want to have is like a, a fluffy, moist, quick bread rather than a strong texture in these products. And there's two key components in getting to that great quick bread texture. And one is to basically barely mix the batter. And then two, start with the right type of flour. So to avoid overmixing the batter, we use completely two different bowls to mix the dries, a flour, baking powder, baking soda, and salt. And I recommend getting, well, actually, I recommend getting two containers at first. But later on, I'm going to talk to you about how we advance and we use what's called a well method at the bakery. And basically, in smaller recipes, that's going to save you the time from having to wash out a second bowl and moving the steps from moving one bowl to the next. Okay, so let's first start, though, with two different containers. So you want to put the flour in first, and then you take the leavening agents, which is either your baking soda or powder, or some recipes in quick breads actually have both. And what I recommend is you actually put them in your palm of your hand and then kind of move your fingers together and just so you can actually disperse the leavening agents very evenly throughout the flour. Yet be careful because they can clump together. And if you ever bit into a baking soda in a quick bread or a muffin, I mean, it's really bad. I mean, it tastes like a big thing of salt. And I can tell you baking powder isn't any better. It doesn't taste very good either. Um, if you don't want to use your hands, um, you can also use a sifter. Okay, so then when you get all your leavening agents dispersed evenly, then you add the salt in and mix the dries completely. So here you don't have to worry about overmixing the dries because it doesn't really matter. But you don't need to keep mixing. You just got to make sure everything's incorporated. When it starts to matter is when you add the wets to it because that's when the wets will activate your leavening agents. Okay, so then you go to your wets and then you just want to put all your wets together and then mix those completely. The sugar doesn't clump. Okay, so white sugar doesn't clump. Brown sugar will clump, right? Uh, but white sugar does not. So it really doesn't matter where you put it. You can put it in with the wets or dries, wherever you have room for it in your bowl. Okay, and then the second key to having a nice texture in your quick bread is to use pastry or cake flour or an all-purpose flour. And really because these are all low in gluten and you want to avoid bread flour. And I discussed this a lot more so in episode one. But the general rule is you're making something with yeast, get a bread flour. If it doesn't have yeast in it, then get a pastry, an all-purpose flour. Okay, pumpkin bread. 
Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the recipe, and then I'm also going to include it in the show notes. And there's so many different variations you can do with this recipe. So we add raisins, and then sometimes we'll add chocolate chips, and you can actually add nuts and raisins too. And it really is a fall favorite. We have a very loyal following for our pumpkin bread. Okay, so you want to start with three and a quarter cups of flour, pastry or all-purpose, right? And then three cups of white sugar, granulated, one teaspoon of salt, and any salt's going to do, and then one tablespoon and one teaspoon of baking soda, two, tab- two teaspoons of cinnamon, and then one teaspoon of nutmeg. And then if you really want to add a little more nutmeg or cinnamon, then please feel free to do so. But I would recommend no more than a teaspoon of each. I tend to push these things because I really like those type of spices, but I've managed to actually add too much, and then that's all you taste is cinnamon. I mean, it can really overpower some of the batters. So I would try the recipe first and then taste it and then try adding maybe a teaspoon more of cinnamon and nutmeg or whatever you like. And you can even substitute like allspice instead of nutmeg or let's say you like ginger. You can add some of that in there too. But you just want to be careful if you get too many dry ingredients because you have to compensate by either reducing some of the other dry ingredients or increasing the amount of certain wet ingredients to get the right liquidity in your recipe. Okay, so once you get it all together, then mix in a mixing bowl until thoroughly combined. Okay, so we're going on, then we're going to do a separate, we're going to do four eggs, and then two and a quarter cups of pumpkin puree. Now, to be honest with you, we just use canned puree in the bakery. It's just 100% pumpkin puree. But if you rather make yours from scratch, then it's really pretty easy. Just substitute the same volume. For example, one cup of fresh pumpkin puree equals one cup of canned. Okay, how you make your own pumpkin puree is you just bake the pumpkin. What you do is you take out the insides. You want to take out the, the seeds and the stringy fibers. I mean, you can take the seeds and you can uh, toast those later in your oven and they're super yummy. Okay, so then you take your pumpkin. I would recommend brushing it with some oil. And then I would put it in about a cup of water or so and just bake it until it's tender. And it usually takes about an hour and sometimes up to an hour and a half at an oven that's about 350 degrees. Okay, so when it's done, it should be uh, pretty soft. And that's how you know it's complete. And, and I would do this when it's still warm. You can puree it in a blender, a food processor, or you can even do it by hand. And you also want to make sure you get the extra moisture out. If it looks runny, then drain the extra water out of it, either like a colander, if you have a fine mesh colander over a big bowl. And if you only have one of those more of those larger colanders that you would use like for salads or lettuce to make a salad, then just put a paper towel or coffee filter, whatever you have, to drain out the moisture. And I would recommend at first try this recipe with canned pumpkin and then go on to fresh because really you're going to know the consistency of the batter better or the consistency of canned pumpkin if you've never baked with it before. And how you know if your mixture was too wet, because what happens is, is it tends to sink in the middle. It kind of caves in a little bit. And it's really not a big deal. Just note it for the next time. And if you have extra fresh pumpkin left over from your uh, pureeing it, then you can just freeze it. It freezes really well. Okay. One cup of canola oil. Now, let's say you want to substitute vegetable oil. You can feel free to do that. You certainly can substitute olive oil. Just 
I don't highly recommend it just because olive oil has its own flavor. And then there's a half a cup of water. And in this case, uh, it doesn't really matter. Cold water is fine. Warm water doesn't matter because it's not with yeast. So for yeast, you have to be very concerned about temperature. If you're using other leavening agents, it doesn't matter usually at all. Okay, so then a one and a quarter cups of raisins. If you want to substitute chocolate chips here, feel free and or add nuts, but try not to exceed more than a cup and a half, cup and a half total. And you can also add these into the dries too, but I actually prefer to add them into the wets because really what you avoid with your raisins, if you add them in with a the flour, sometimes you end up with, you know, like white type of raisin that kind of look like they got, well, they got flour on it is what they got. Okay, so now you combine your wets and dries together and you want to scoop into some well-greased baking pans or you can use muffin cups. I mean, pumpkin muffins is, we use this batter for our pumpkin muffins too. And you want to fill about two-thirds full because keep in mind, they're going to expand during the bake. And we bake all our pumpkin items at about 350 degrees. And it's anywhere from like 30 minutes to 70 minutes. Now, I know that's a big range, and but I don't know how big your pans are you're using and keep in mind all ovens are a bit different so even though the oven says 350 degrees that doesn't mean it actually is and if you're going to do a big huge loaf like the kind that you use to make a sandwich size loaf that it's likely going to take about over an hour maybe an hour and a half and so how you tell basically if these things are done um just take a wooden stick so we use like our coffee stir sticks at the bakery and it could be a toothpick right that'll work as well and you poke it in the middle. Okay, so that's a kind of a key point that it's got to be in the middle because it's going to bake on the ends. Um, so you poke it in the very middle and you pull it out. If it's dry, relatively dry, it's not going to be completely dry, but if it's relatively dry, then you know you're good to go. And also, you know, quite frankly, I don't actually do that anymore when I bake. I just can kind of tell by looking at the loaf. If you, if you can come off the side of the pan pretty easily, or if you just tap the top of it in the middle, and if it's pretty solid, and then you know you're good to go. If it's kind of mushy, then you know you got to bake it a little bit longer. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you a, a shortcut that we developed at the bakery, and we call it the well method. And once again, I didn't come up with this. It's one of my bakers did, and I mean, that's the great thing about having owned a bakery for all these years and allow my bakers to have a little more creativity. Um, Cause actually I learned more from them that way. Okay. And same thing with my franchisees. I mean, they have um, some room for creativity. My only rule at house of bread, it's gotta be all natural. Um, and I also want them to kind of run it by me first because I can, sometimes I can help them out. But anyway, so one of my bakers came up with this idea and, and it only requires one bowl. Okay. Why is that important? Because it means less dishes. And it also means that you're not moving from one bowl to the next. So basically you save yourself some time. And what you do is you want to take your, to your dries first. And so just use your normal mixing bowl or whatever, and you mix it all your dries, right? You evenly incorporate it. And then you kind of make a well, in the, an empty well in the middle. So just move your ingredients to the side and then you put all your wets in the middle. So we put our oil, your eggs, crack it right in there. And then you mix all those wet ingredients together. Just kind of, we use a fork, you use whatever you want. But basically, you're just mixing it. And so now you have the dries that are on the edge. 
all mixed. And then you have in the middle your wets that are all mixed. And now you just incorporate them. And it doesn't really matter if a little bit of wets get in with the dries that are on the side because you're going to mix it together anyway. And I can tell you, you're not going to tell the difference. So if you want to do the longer method with two bowls, you're welcome to do so. Uh, but the one bowl method using the well method, it's not going to compromise your quality. It tastes exactly the same. And how do I know that? Because I tried it. I mean, taste is really the answer. You know, so if you're wondering about these shortcuts, if they work or they don't work, just taste. Well, and actually texture too. That's going to tell you if it's going to work. Okay, so for serving suggestions, I mean, you can just use a, it's a slice of uh, pumpkin bread. I mean, it's great. It's great for a snack, for breakfast. Um, I don't think it needs butter, but, you know, a lot of people like butter on about everything. And so just go ahead and slather some on if you'd like. You can also toast it. And I actually like this for dessert. You can toast it and you can add like a scoop of um, ice cream or maybe a dollop of whipped cream for dessert. And it really is one of those breads that's great for morning, noon, and night. Okay, so I'm going to include a link in my show notes to an online baking class I have for quick breads. It'll, it'll show you more about the methods I'm talking about. And, you know, it's, it's not necessary. I mean, I think you can do it without having to take the class, but it might help you if you're struggling, if you have some issues. And there's a lot of free content out there on YouTube. And I encourage you to check that out as well. The only thing is, is that it takes a lot of time to sift through all that YouTube material. And some of it's not necessarily all that great, um, but there is some good videos out there too. Okay, and then also there's other items in my show notes about how to connect with me, buy my recipe book, learn more about House of Bread, franchising. And I really thank you for taking this time to listen to this podcast. And until next time, everybody, happy baking.